Hello, Candies, and welcome to Friday. More importantly, welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Friday. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad it's Friday. This week has been busy for me. I don't know if it's been busy for you, but Pop Culture Friday is like my big congrats to myself at the end of the week that I just get to come here and talk about pop culture with y'all and spew all the news and spew all my thoughts, drop some tea, drop some opinions, and it's just such a perfect way for me to wrap up my week. I hope Hope it's perfect for you too. I'm so thankful that you're here with me today. And you know I don't like the long intros because you know I just want to get into the good stuff. So let's get into our first story. This is epic stuff that's going on and I'm a little shook by some of this. So let's just get into it. Our top story of the week, Bachelor Nation's Cassie Randolph files for a restraining order against her ex Colton Underwood. Cassie Randolph accuses Colton Underwood of stalking and harassing her in a bombshell restraining order filed and obtained by E! News. On Monday, September 14th, a judge signed off on Cassie's request for a temporary restraining order against Colton. The Bachelor star was ordered to stay at least 100 yards away from Cassie, her home, and her workplace. Additionally, Colton is prohibited from contacting his ex and must not harass, threaten, or attack her. The restraining order expires on October 6th, at which point a hearing will take place. As for Cassie's allegations against Colton, she lists the dates of abuse as beginning in June 2020, with the most recent incidents having occurred on August 16th through August 19th. A written statement included in the filing states that since their breakup, Mr. Underwood has been stalking and harassing Miss Randolph. He has sent her unsettling text messages, repeatedly called her, and even placed a tracking device on her vehicle to track her whereabouts. End quote. This is new ground for Bachelor Nation because there has been a lot of messy breakups in Bachelor Nation. We know about the Jake and Vienna. We know about what happened with Jason and Melissa Rycroft. And that was I don't I wouldn't say that was messy, but it was definitely emotional and sad. And then Ari and Becca. I mean, Bachelor Nation is not immune to these really kind of epic breakups at times. And so that's not what's unusual here. The, the unusualness is the fact that of how far this has gone is from, from my knowledge, there has never been a breakup or a relationship in Bachelor Nation where legal action has had to be taken. Now, I'm not sure the specifics of Jake and Vienna. I would not be surprised if something like that was talked about. But this is as far as I've seen it go. And it's really unfortunate and all signs are pointing to the fact that this, uh, you know, these allegations against Colton are true which is really, really shocking and upsetting. And it's just a sad situation, it sounds like. And, you know, they broke up earlier in the year and released a very wonderful joint statement saying that it just didn't work out. They still loved and respect each other. But it doesn't sound like that's the truth. Colton, it sounds like, is very hung up on her. We've seen from the beginning that Colton is crazy about her. We've known that from the fence jump. It always seemed to me like he was more into her than she was into him. And I mean, I I don't know. I don't know the specifics, but this is unfortunate that they're going through this. I feel bad for Cassie. Like I said, you you just I don't know if everything she's saying is true, but it seems like there's a lot of things to back up what she's saying. I mean, what she is saying is not minor things. There was also, you know, text messages, of course, that he was sending her text messages from his phone and threatening her and just kind of verbally, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're only doing this for fame, blah, blah, blah. And then also that he was taking, you know, getting an anonymous number and texting her from the anonymous number, acting like he was someone else. And then also taking the anonymous number and like pretending to text himself so that he could say that he was also getting texts from this anonymous number, whatever it was. But the whole thing just sounds like a cluster and really creepy, honestly, and upsetting. And 
I don't know. If all of this is true, Cold, he obviously needs some help. I understand his heart is hurting. Breakups are, it's just tough. It's tough to go through like stuff like this, of course, especially in the public eye. He spoke out, you know, in the Reality Steve podcast recently, talking about how he was distancing himself from the franchise. So he's obviously got some bl- bad blood towards the franchise. But this is scary and troubling. And it's obvious if this is true, he needs to get some help and he needs to, you know, surround himself with family and friends and really evaluate what's going on. But this is scary. I just I'm hoping the best for Cassie. I'm hoping the best for Colton. I mean, I'm not a huge Colton fan. You guys know that I've been very vocal about the fact that I think he's very fame hungry and he's just comes off like a turd to me at times. I don't dislike him, but he's not my favorite. So I don't I don't dislike him or wish bad for him. But this is I mean, I just I want him to get some help. This sounds sketchy. This sounds creepy. You know, whenever someone's tracking your car, like that's creepy. It's freaking creepy. All right. Like just he needs to get some help. This is just this takes it to a new level. So we'll see. As it says in the story here, there's going to be a hearing October 6th. So we'll see what happens from there if more information comes out. But this is scary. All right, you guys, this story, our next story, falls under the Reboot Watch. Gosh, I've had a Reboot Watch like every week for the last month almost. It's just the time of reboots. It can't stop, won't stop. So this... I'm this is a reboot of one of my all time favorite movies from the 90s. So I'm excited, but I'm nervous that they might ruin it. So let's get into the news. TikTok star Addison Rae is set to star in a gender swapped remake of the late 90s teen classic. She's all that. Inus confirmed the TikTok star will make her debut movie performance in the reboot helmed by the Mean Girls and Freaky Friday director Mark Waters. She will star in a role inspired by Zachary Seiler, a beloved character that was played by Freddie Prince Jr. in the 1999 film. On Instagram, the teen gushed about the opportunity to star in the remake of one of her, quote, all-time favorite movies, telling fans her dreams are coming true. Since she's taking on the role popularized by Freddie Prince Jr., the film title will rightfully be changed to He's All That and will be updated to suit the current era. As such, Addison will star as a teen influencer who seeks revenge on her boyfriend after he turns her into the school's laughingstock. No word yet on the lucky man who is going to star opposite Addison in the movie. Addison and the rest of the cast will definitely have some big shoes to fill. Seeing as the original film starred some really big names, Gabrielle Union, Usher, Kieran Kalka, Anna Paquin, Dulé Hill, Little Kim, Matthew Lillard, the late Paul Walker, and of course, the stars of the movie, Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr., Wow, this is big news, and this is one of my all-time favorite movies from the late 90s. Another one of these movies that I love is 10 Things I Hate About You. Again, some really great stars that came out of that movie as well. We had Julia Stiles. We had the late Heath Ledger. We had Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We had Gabrielle Union in that one as well. It was, I mean, another just great teen movie from the late 90s that really has gotten popular, you know, even more popular over the time. It's like it's gotten better with age. I feel that way about Coyote Ugly, too, which I also really love that movie. The people, the cast in that movie didn't didn't quite take off quite as much, which is random side note. But Tyra Banks was in that movie as just in a weird little role. But other than that, the cast in that movie hasn't gone on to become such big stars like with 10 Things I Hate About You and She's All That. But Nevertheless, these are in that, you know, era of movies where they've almost gotten more popular with time and they're like cult classics. In terms of the remake of this, I mean, I, as I said, this is one of my all time favorite movies. I know almost every word to it. And I'm excited to see it be remade. It's definitely worthy of a remake in terms of Addison Rae. 
She's definitely not an actress by trade. So, I mean, I think you can teach anyone to be an actor. I mean, there are definitely people with more talent than others, but acting is a skill, just like what I do hosting is a skill. And I think you can take someone with, you know, a lot of talent and they can become a star, but you can also take someone with a little bit of talent, coach them, and then they can become a star from that. It just takes a matter of who needs more work, who needs more practice, who needs more coaching. So I do think that anyone can learn to act. So I'm sure she has acting coaches that are working with her. It'll be exciting to see how she does in that role. Uh, You know, she doesn't need to be knockout. She just needs to be decent because the story will do the rest. Uh, In terms of them switching the gender roles, I think that's perfectly fine. She is an influencer in real life. So she's playing someone, you know, who's close to who she is in real life. Maybe that will help in terms of the acting abilities. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how they shift this for, you know, the current era, because back in the 90s, uh, social media wasn't a thing, all that other stuff. So the parties and the music of the music in this movie is so good. But the just the culture of prom and all that other stuff was different. So they'll definitely have to reimagine that for, you know, what it's like in 2020 and, and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how they move this story forward and how the Addison Ray takes on, you know, being the star in this movie. I mean, anytime you have a classic like this in a remake, it's great to see, but it also makes me nervous for what it might do to, you know, what came before. You know, I talked about this with Say by the Bell and with Fresh Prince and all these other shows that are getting reboots and remakes. It's great to see it live on but it's also a little bit scary because it could tarnish you know what what has been done in the past so we'll have to see I'm I mean I'm eagerly awaiting this I just I love this movie it's so good there's so many good one-liners in this movie I know every word maybe I'll do an entire episode of just me quoting you know 90s like teen rom-com movies like that's just that is my sweet spot I just love that shit I could do that all day Anyways, I will spare you. And we're going to move on to uh, a couple other stories here that are a little bit heavier in topic. So Emily Radzikowski pens an emotionally detailed article about her sexual assault in the cut. In the essay titled Buying Myself Back, When Does a Model Own Her Own Image? The model and actress alleges that photographer Jonathan Ledger sexually assaulted her back in 2012. She says it happened at an unpaid photo shoot at his home that required an overnight stay. During the shoot, which required her to be shot in lingerie and nude, she says she drank so much wine that giant black spots were expanding and floating in front of her eyes. She goes on to detail the assault and also Ledger using the images from the shoot without her permission. Ledger published a book featuring the photographs he had taken back of her in 2012, and then he went on to publish two more books for a total of three books. His team says he was legally entitled to do so, but Radzikowski says she was unaware of his plans to do so, and he had not paid for the photographs or the rights to publish them. So I did read this entire article that Emily wrote for The Cut. It was kind of long, but it was definitely important. And, you know, there are two key takeaways from, you know, this essay that she penned. The first one, you know, reflects the title and buying myself back. When does a model own her own image? She started off this article talking about how she was being sued by a paparazzi because she posted a paparazzi photo that, uh, you know, paparazzi had taken a photo of her on the street in, you know, New York or wherever she was. And she had posted the photo that they took onto her Instagram and that they were suing her now for posting on Instagram and whatnot, something for like $150,000 or something ridiculous like that. And so it starts out her talking about how it's just strange that she 
is not giving permission for herself to be photographed, you know, with these paparazzi shots. She's not, uh, you know, signing off on it. She's not asking them to be there. She's going about her life, walking down the street. They take a picture of her. If she happens to like it or want to use it, she has no right to that, even though she never gave them permission to do it in the first place and and all these other intricacies. And it, it does pose a question and is, you know, starts a curiosity in my brain about these people who don't want their photograph taken. But because of what they do, they are privy to having people want to know what they're doing, what they're wearing at all hours of the day. So that's the first thing there is when are you in charge of the photography that you own? And she goes on to talk about a former boyfriend who bought a photo of her. Someone had, you know, made a photo or did like a an Instagram photo that she posted and some artists turned it into like a beautiful painting. So they took a photograph and then turned it into a painting and then put it on at like, a, you know, an art gallery and then sold it for like $10,000 or something like that. And her boyfriend at the time wanted to buy that photo back. And part of her was like, okay, but another part of her was like, why should I have to buy back this photo of myself? Like, I, this is a photo I posted, this person turned it into art, which is great, but like, this is my photo. Like, is there nothing of this that belongs to me? So it starts out with that story. And then she goes into talking about this interaction with this photographer, Jonathan, she calls him. She does not say his last name, but everyone knows who it is at this point. And this sexual assault that happened back in 2012 when she was much younger and she was still doing photo shoots, uh, you know, for you know, just to build up her portfolio, essentially. And as someone who is in the creative field and who does hosting and other things like that, there have been plenty of times where I've done work for free because you need stuff for your reel. You need stuff for your, as she's saying, as a model for your portfolio, things to show people so eventually you can get paid. But it is not unusual for, you know, to do free work, especially when you're starting out. So she talks about this. It was one of those times. In terms of you know, spending the night and being shot in the lingerie. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's uh, I don't want to like judge her for making the decision to spend the night. I, I don't I don't know. I wasn't in her shoes. I don't know if I if I would feel comfortable doing that. You, you know, she just met the guy. It, it sounded like a random setup. So I don't I don't know. I know she had to take a bus a long ways there. So maybe that was it. She had to take a bus there. And then it's like she didn't have a ton of money, so she couldn't afford to stay at a hotel. So she just stayed at his place. But it just sounds suspicious. And, you know, she talks about how he was offering her wine and she drank the wine and she was definitely drunk and he ended up touching her and assaulting her. And it it was one of those weird things where she just felt like strange, but also she also felt like lucky to be given an opportunity to even be photographed, I guess. And yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, something's wrong, but it's like, do you say something? Because who are you to say something? It's like, it goes back to the whole Me Too movement and all these women who Harvey Weinstein was exploiting or touching or raping. And they knew something was wrong, but then at the same point in time, they also knew that this person was extremely powerful and could probably ruin their career. So it was terrifying. It's like, this doesn't make me feel comfortable, but also saying something on it, I could just keep my mouth shut. And, you know, I still have a chance to make it in this industry that's already so cutthroat. Or I could talk about it and I could get totally blacklisted. No one would believe me anyways. And this person would forever, you know, this person who's one of the most, you know, influential people in Hollywood would blacklist me and I would have no shot at my dream. So, She was kind of in one of those situations. In terms of the photographs being used without her permission, I mean, he goes on, obviously he published a book in 2012 and then two more. He's making tons of money off of 
of these photographs that she says that she never consented that he could use and never signed over the rights. A lot of times there's paperwork that goes into when you shoot for someone, but it sounds like she was at the beginning of her career so much that maybe some of that stuff was overlooked and there was no uh, photograph or there was no paperwork that was signed. You know, this reminds me a lot of the Taylor Swift thing when she was in an argument over her masters and she wanted to own her work. And this happens a lot, unfortunately, in this industry, you're young. You know, Taylor Swift was a teenager when she first signed her first record deal. Emily was, you know, in her her early 20s. They were just getting started. And when someone gives you a shot at your dreams, you know, whether you're Taylor Swift or you're Emily Ratajkowski, when someone gives you a shot at your dreams, you don't you don't tend to read the fine print, especially when you're young and dumb and inexperienced and you're new to the industry. So you they say, hey, I'll give you a record deal. Sign this paperwork and we're good to go. So you sign it. And in the fine print or in, you know, other things like it says, but we own X, Y, Z and all of your music is owned by us. And if you go somewhere else, we keep the rights to it. Or, you know, these photos I took are mine and you have no control over where they go. So like I said, it's one of those things when it if all you've wanted to do is sing, if all you've wanted to do is be a model, if all you've wanted to do is be on TV, be an actor, and someone hands you an opportunity at that dream, it's so hard for a young kid or for anyone, but especially a young adult, to be like, no, I'm going to, this is, this could be my break, but I'm just going to wait for someone else who gives me a little bit better of a deal. You know, like not many people are going to do that. I don't know if I would do that. Like I would be like, sure, you just want any opportunity you can get. So, you know, and Taylor Swift to have this with her masters, she signed over, got a record deal, signed over the rights to her music, and she doesn't technically own, you know, that music. And then she wanted to buy her. She had the money to buy it and they wouldn't sell it to her, which is a totally different thing. Very unfortunate. But it's kind of the same thing with Emily. Like how much of your art of your work is yours? How much of Taylor's music is truly hers? Not not that much, obviously. How much of Emily's work, the photographs she's posed for and been a part of, how much of that is actually hers? And not that much, obviously. So as a creator, as a person who uses their body for art or their voice or their their talents, whether it's acting or whatever it is, like you have to, it's one of the gross parts of the industry. You know, in, in Rainbow Land, we would all get to own all of our stuff and no one would take advantage of us and everyone who helped us would get their fair share and it would all just be ours and and we could all just, you know, shit rainbows and, and butterflies and all this other stuff. But that's the ugly part of this industry is that there's a lot of fine print and that there's a lot of people who will take advantage of, you know, someone not looking over that fine print. So this, again, it was heartbreaking to read. And part of me just saw this as like an, you know, an inexperienced young woman who went, obviously the assault was, the assault was horrible. But in terms of her photos, not, you know, what is she privy to? What does she own? You know, what photograph, you know, of some random person taking a picture of her going to get coffee on Fifth Avenue, you know, she, she doesn't own that photo and she can't post a picture of herself to her Instagram for fear of being sued. It's just, it's one of those dark, nasty parts of being famous and being in this industry. History, unfortunately. If you haven't read it, I definitely encourage you to read it. It might give you some perspective on, on what some of these people go through. Being rich and famous, I mean, being famous, I will say, it's not all, it's not easy all the time. Um, and, and so I would encourage you to read it and just get some perspective. I will leave a link to her essay in the show notes. This also parlays really well into another story which gives another twist on this. So our next story, Chris Evans accidentally leaks some very not safe for work pictures. 
The Captain America alum allegedly posted a screenshot of his camera roll on Instagram stories on Saturday, September 12th. According to Just Jared, the actor shared a screen recording of his family playing the game Heads Up. When the video ended, a camera roll displayed on the screen, which allegedly showed a photo of his penis. Moments after posting, the Captain America star quickly deleted his post on social media. The mishap soon became the number one trending topic on Twitter, with fans sharing their reaction to the leaked snapshots. On Monday, September 14th, Evans finally addressed the viral moment, tweeting, Now that I have your attention, vote on November 3rd. Of course, Tamron Hall had to bring it up while Evans was a remote guest on her show on Tuesday, September 15th. The host credited him for encouraging fans to vote and using the awkward leak to get their eyes on something more important. Evans cleverly responded that, quote, that's called turning a frown upside down, Tamron, end quote. So this is, uh, you know, again, I said, as I said, parlays from the story I told before about Emily, but the reaction from Emily and her nude photos being, you know, sent out into the world. And then the reaction of Chris Evans and his, you know, while not completely nude, but not safe for work, you know, dick pic being put out in the world. The reaction from the world was very different. A lot of people came to Chris's uh, defense and were telling people to back off. It was an accident, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And this is not the first time this has happened to celebs. Celebs, you know, their iClouds get hacked all the time. It won't be the first, you know, celeb dick pic that gets out there. It won't be the last. And, uh, you know, but the reaction was very different. You know, a lot of people were telling Emily that responding to what her, you know, problem was, if you pose naked, blah, blah, you deserve, you know, what were you thinking? You deserve to be exploited if you're going to pose naked or whatever, blah, blah, all this other stuff. But with the Chris Evans thing, there were a lot of people that were like, well, leave him alone, blah, blah, you never know, all this other stuff. And so it was just strange to me. These happened, you know, at the same time. And the kind of the general outcry was very different among two similar things. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I do want to give Chris Evans credit. He handled this absolutely perfect. I mean, from a PR standpoint, he nailed it. I don't know who his PR agency is. I don't know if this was just him reacting off the cuff, but he handled it in the most perfect way you could handle it. He made a joke about it. You know, his tweet was really funny. Now that I have your attention, vote November 3rd. And I think uh, he had the, you know, the hand to the head emoji, which was just really funny. You know, he made a joke of it. And then he went on to, you know, show that he was supposed to be on. And he addressed it right off the bat. And he talked about how there were a lot of lessons learned and all you can do is move forward. I mean, he handled it absolutely perfectly. The last thing you want to do when something like this happens is deny or deflect or say, I'm not going to talk about this. Of course, you have to talk about it. Like this was all over the news. This was trending on Twitter. Like just address it. Show your humanity. People love when celebrities act like humans. Me, I mean, myself included. It's part of the reason why I love Dak Shepard so much is because he's so freaking human and he's a celebrity. And it's I just I love it. I love people like that. So people love when celebrities act human. Chris Evans in this moment acted perfectly human, was funny, you know, had a little jab in there about voting. It was just it was great. You know, PR, wonderful, you know, and no one thinks anything less of him, which is super great. All right. And our final story of the week, we are going to dedicate to our sports minute because you guys know I love the sports. I'm sorry for everyone out there who is just sports dumb. You know what? I would take this time if I were you to listen to this. And then when you're talking to your husband or your boyfriend, like just repeat some of the stuff I say back to them and they'll drop their jaw, you know, just like pick up on some of the things I'm saying and just be like, hey, what did you think about the uh, Denver Nuggets, you know, coming back to beat the Clippers in a three to one, you know, just take some of that in and ask them a question. And I swear to God, their jaws will drop. So let's get into it. Somehow, the L.A. Clippers managed to blow a three games to one lead in their series with the Denver Nuggets. So the Nuggets 
got the come behind win. The Clippers were ahead three games to one in that series. Somehow they totally blew it, which is kind of ridiculous. The Clippers should have won this series. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I do know what happened because I watched some of it, but still, it was just, I mean, one of the biggest just biffs of the season. So the Nuggets got that come from behind series win. They're set to take on the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. That starts tonight. The Lakers are, of course, the favorite in that one with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And uh, the Lakers, in my opinion, are the favorite to win the whole caboodle. So we will see. But uh, I would not be surprised if the Lakers can make quick work of them. We'll have to see. Meanwhile, over in the Eastern Conference, Miami leads Boston 2-0. to zero. They play again tomorrow evening. I think Boston is ranked higher than Miami, but Miami has played really well in the postseason. They're just on fire. They made quick work of my Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Jimmy Butler has played really well. They've just, they've looked really put together. So I don't know. My guess from this is we're going to have a Lakers heat final. We will see. I don't know. I'll keep you guys updated on that. Let's get into the football news. The Packers last week torched their conference rival, the Minnesota Vikings, 43-34. to Aaron Rodgers was in pristine condition, if I do say so myself. He connected on 32 of 44 passes, throwing for 364 yards and four touchdowns on the day. It was pretty. It was good to see. It's good to see Aaron back feeling normal, feeling good. I think he's on a revenge tour of sorts. You know, the Packers drafted Jordan Love in the first round of quarterback, and it was kind of like, what, what, what are we doing, guys? You know, like I'm the MVP. I'm, I'm the guy. Why are we, why are we drafting this guy? So I think, um, you know, if there's one thing I know about Aaron Rodgers from covering him, from just you know him being a part of the Packers for so long, the guy remembers stuff and he holds grudges at times. And I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder this season, and I hope it propels us forward to a Super Bowl because guy ain't getting any younger. He's 36. And we need to get at least two, I say two Super Bowls out of him before, uh, you know, before he calls it quits. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do this season. I think it's good stuff. I think we still uh, have some developing to do. Devontae Adams is definitely going to be a star this year. He was our star last year. We need some other receivers to step up. I would really, really love to see us get a nice tight end that Rodgers can throw to. We have some good blocking tight ends, but uh, I want us a big tight end that can catch some passes. We just, I mean, we got Aaron Rodgers. We got to give him people to throw to. I was really disappointed that we didn't go out and get some kind of receiver, uh, you know, to give him a target, give Devontae Adams a break. He's going to be double teamed most of the time, most in this game with against the Vikings. He was double teamed most of the time there. So we need some other people to step up. There's still some some work that needs to happen uh, in terms of our receiving core. Still some work to do a little bit on the defense, but I'm I am encouraged. And this Sunday, the Packers will play their other division rival, the Detroit Lions, at Lambeau Field. Of course, there will be no fans in attendance there. It's going to be so weird seeing Lambeau Field just empty. It just it's not a sight I've ever seen, and it's it's just going to be so strange. So the Lions lost last week to the Bears. So fingers crossed they still suck and cannot string it together. The Packers beat them twice last year. So hopefully we can continue that going. It would be really nice to start the season off with these big conference wins. So fingers crossed in terms of that. Let's get into our congrats and condolences of the week. Congrats this week go to Prince Harry, who turned 36 on September 15th. That's right. Happy birthday, Prince Harry. Uh, Congrats also go out to Thomas Rhett and Carrie Underwood, who in a strange turn of events tied for Entertainer of the Year at the ACM Awards this past week. That's never happened before, but it is in the rule book that a tie can happen. And sure enough, they tied. So they get to share the title. Congrats to both of them. Both very deserving. Carrie has won it before. Thomas has not. But uh, both very deserving. Uh, Congrats to them. 
Condolences go out this week to Offset because his wife and the mother of his child, Cardi B, has filed for divorce. I'm not surprised by this. They have been married for three years, but they've had some tumultuous times. Offset has cheated in the past. He has been vocal about that. Cardi has been vocal about that. But she expressed, you know, interest in making it work. She wants to make it work. She's got a child with him. Uh, and there's been a lot of cheating stuff that has been talked about and going on. So, I mean, it, it's tough. It's just tough. She, I know they separated once before and she had talked about getting a divorce, but she didn't. She wanted to make it work. But I think this might, this might stick this time. I don't know. It just, what can you do? I don't know. But uh, condolences go out to them. It's always sad to see a marriage end, especially when a child is involved. So condolences to Offset and Cardi B. I hope it, it can end, uh, you know, smoothly and they can both uh, share custody of their child. All right, you guys, there you have it, Candies. Those are my top five pop culture stories of the week. If you love today's show, then come on back next Friday. We'll be here ready to give you all the tea. And if you are in the market for some real life topics, come back here on Tuesday where I talk openly and honestly about the messiness of being a human. I even invite some of my super talented and awesome friends on the show to share their stories. I have a great interview lined up with one of my TV hosting friends. She is going to be amazing. You're going to love her. That is next Tuesday. Before you leave, make sure you subscribe to the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it to your stories. Make sure you tag me. I am at Carrie.Gillespie. We are at Candidly Speaking. Tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell your dog, tell your Uber driver. Driver, tell everyone. Last but certainly not least, please leave us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and write us a short review about how I'm your internet bestie and you love hanging out with me every week. All right, you guys, that's going to do it for me. I hope you have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you again next week.